Section 19 of Rough Notes, taken during some rapid journeys across the Pampas and among the Andes, by Francis Bond Head. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. We traveled sixty miles that day, not losing one moment, but riding at once to the corral and unsaddling and saddling our own horses. The next morning one of our party was unable to proceed, so he remained at the post and we were off before daylight. After galloping forty-five miles, another said he was so jolted that he could not go on, and he also remained at the post to be picked up by the carriage. We then continued for sixteen miles, when the other knocked up and he really was scarcely able to crawl into the post-hut where he remained as i was very anxious to get to buenos aires and was determined to get there as quick as my strength would allow i rode sixty miles more that day during which my horse fell twice with me and i arrived at the post an hour after sunset quite exhausted i found nothing to eat because the people who live at this post were bathing. So I went to another part of the river and had a most refreshing bath. I then spread out my saddle on the ground, for the post room was full of fleas and binchucas. The people had now returned from the river, and supper was preparing, when a young Scotch gentleman I had overtaken on the road, and who had ridden some stages with me, asked me to come and sing with the young ladies of the post who he told me were very beautiful i knew them very well as i had passed several times but i was much too tired to sing or dance however being fond of music i moved my saddle and poncho very near the party and as soon as i had eaten some meat i again lay down and as the delightful fresh air blew over my face, I dropped off to sleep, just as the niñas were singing very prettily, one of the tristes of Peru, accompanied by a guitar. I had bribed the capataz to let some horses pass the night in the corral. We accordingly started before the sun was up, and galloping the whole day till half an hour after sunset, we rode a hundred and twenty-three miles. The summer's sun has a power which, to those who have not been exposed to it, is inconceivable, and whenever we stopped at the corral to get our horses, the heat was so great that it was almost insupportable. However, all the time we galloped, the rapid motion through the air formed a refreshing breeze. The horses were faint from the heat, and if it had not been for the sharp gaucho spurs that I wore, I should not have got on. The horses in the Pampas are always in good wind, but when the sun is hot and the grass burnt up, they are weak, and being accustomed to follow their own inclinations, they then want to slacken their pace, or rather to stop altogether for when mounted they have no pace between a hand gallop and a walk and it is therefore often absolutely necessary to spur them on for nearly half the post or else to stand still 
an indulgence which under a burning sun the writer feels very little inclined to grant as they are thus galloping along urged by the spur it is interesting to see the groups of wild horses which one passes the mares which are never ridden in south america seem not to understand what makes the poor horse carry his head so low and look so weary the little innocent colts come running up to meet him and then start away frightened while the old horses whose white marks on the flanks and backs betray their acquaintance with the spur and saddle walk slowly away for some distance and then breaking into a trot as they seek their safety snort and look behind them first with one eye then with the other turning their nose from right to left and carrying their long tails high in the air as soon as the poor horse reaches the post he is often quite exhausted he is as wet as if he had come out of a river and his sides are often bleeding violently but the life he leads is so healthy his constitution is so perfectly sound and his food is so simple that he never has those inflammatory attacks which kill so many of our pampered horses in england it certainly sounds cruel to spur a horse as violently as it is sometimes necessary to do in the pampas and so in fact it is yet there is something to be said in excuse for it if he is worn out and exhausted his rider also is he is not goaded on for an idle purpose but he is carrying a man on business and for the service of man he was created supposing him to be ever so tired still he has his liberty when he reaches the goal and if he is cunning a very long time may elapse before he is caught again and in the meanwhile the whole country affords him food liberty health and enjoyment and the work he has occasionally performed and the sufferings he has endured may perhaps teach him to appreciate the wild plains in which he was born he may have suffered occasionally from the spur but how different is his life from that of the poor post-horse in england whose work increases with his food who is daily led in blinkers to the collar and who knows nothing of creation but the dusty road on which he travels and the rack and manger of a close-heated stable the country through which we rode this day was covered with locusts of a very beautiful color they were walking along the road so thick that the ground was completely covered some were hurrying one way and some another but the two sets were on different sides of the road like people in the city of london at one post these locusts were in such numbers that the poor woman in despair was sweeping them away with a broom and they swarmed in crowds up my horse's legs a little girl had given me some water and i put my straw hat on the ground while i sat down to drink and with feelings of very great pleasure i was looking at the mug which was an english one and on which was inscribed 
no power on earth can make us rue if england to herself proves true when i saw my hat literally covered with the locusts biting the straw as soon as i took it up these party-colored creatures hopped off like harlequins the number of them is quite incredible and they would be a most serious enemy to any individual who should attempt to cultivate a solitary farm in the pampas although a large population and general cultivation might perhaps keep them away we arrived late and very tired at the post having ridden one hundred and twenty-three miles and found the master don juan very busy providing supper for a priest who had just arrived in a carriage the water was extremely bad and i began to think i should fare badly when the priest asked me to partake of his supper which was now smoking on the table he had some good water in bottles and we had a roasted lamb before us the priest ate the heart and seemed to enjoy his repast as much as i did he was silent but very kind and occasionally nodded at the dish and said to me come bien eat well after the lamb he brought out a box of sweetmeats and he then put his hand up the large loose sleeve of his white serge gown and pulled out some cigars next morning at daybreak we started the french colonel's servant now began to complain and after riding one hundred miles i saw no more of him as he and the scotch gentleman who had accompanied me stopped at sunset i rode on about twenty miles and the next day i rode one hundred and twenty miles and reached buenos aires about two hours after sunset a few general observations respecting the working of mines in south america when one reflects upon the immense riches which have proceeded from some mines and the large sums of money which have been lost in others it is evident that the inspection of a mine with a view of immediately working it with a large capital is in any country an important and difficult duty there are perhaps few subjects which require more deliberate and dispassionate consideration for to be too sanguine or to be too timid are faults which it is easy to commit in the former case one builds upon hopes which are never to be realized in the latter one loses a prize which energy and enterprise might have secured and the passions of the mind are never more eager to mislead the judgment than when the object to be considered is the acquisition of what are termed the precious metals but if this is the case in civilized countries where experience has recorded many valuable data where the load to be inspected may be compared with those which are flourishing and with those which have failed where operations may be commenced with a cautious step where the windlass may be succeeded by the whims and the whims by the steam engine how much more difficult is the task when the load is in a foreign country 
destitute of resources experience and population and when as a stranger one is led over a series of wild barren mountains to a desert spot at once to determine whether the mine is to be accepted or not as this has been my situation i will venture to make a few imperfect observations on the subject the first object which draws the attention to a lode which is a ramified crack or fissure in which ores with other substances are embedded is its positive value or contents and this value has lately been estimated in england merely from the inspection and assay of a piece of the ore but of course this judgment is altogether erroneous for a large load of a moderate assay may be more valuable than a small load of rich ores or assay and an extraordinary rich load may be too small to be worth the expense of working while a very large poor load may be worked with profit but besides these observations the physical character of the load must be considered for the fissure is seldom filled with ore it contains also quartz mundic the cornish term for sulphurets of arsenic iron etc and is occasionally a strong box which contains no riches at all it is therefore evident that besides the size of the load and the assay the average quantity of ore it contains is also to be considered because a large load with an occasional bunch as it is termed of rich ores may not be so worthy of working as a smaller load with a number of bunches of poorer ores there is also another material question whether the load is getting richer or poorer as it dips for a large load with rich assay and frequent bunches but diminishing in value may be calculated at less value than a smaller load with poorer assay less frequent bunches but increasing in value there are many other considerations but the above perhaps will satisfy those who have not reflected on the subject that the abstract value of a load in america can in no way be determined by the assay of a piece of ore in england particularly when it is known that specimens of ores are often sent from south america as samples of loads from which they never were extracted however upon the spot a calculation may be made of the probable produce of the mine and in cornwall where the expenses of the mine are known and certain it is on this calculation that almost all the speculation of the enterprise depends for the riches of loads being subject to sudden variations they may increase or diminish in a surprising degree still the calculation rests in cornwall upon as fair a basis as those which are made on the duration of human life or the insurance of ships etc etc but in south america the case is widely different for besides the value of the produce of the mine 
it is necessary to determine what will be the probable expense of working it in order to weigh or compare the one with the other and the absolute necessity of this which is always done in mining farming and other speculations in england is particularly obvious for instance in the provinces of rio de la plata for as one there rides over many hundred miles of rich land which is unowned and almost unknown one cannot but reflect that while from want of population industry etc such riches are lying on the surface unvalued considerable difficulties would necessarily oppose the extraction of wealth from the bowels of the earth by labor and machinery and these difficulties in many parts of the provinces would be so great that it might satisfactorily be proved that the silver extracted from such mines would not be worth its weight in iron by the time it reached england while the iron which was sent from england would cost more than its weight in silver by the time it reached the mine the following is a rough memorandum of some of the difficulties physical moral and political which would probably obstruct the working of mines in the provinces of rio de la plata by an english association physical one the great distances which separate the mines from their supplies of men tools materials provisions etc and which separate one mine from another badness of the roads danger in passing the laderos torrents and rivers without bridges and often impassable the locality of the mines which are generally situated among lofty and barren mountains without resources or supplies the above would require expensive disbursements and would often cause a great delay which in mercantile operations is a loss of money two the dryness of the climate which affords no water for machinery or for washing the ores but little even to drink the mine itself dry or nearly so in consequence of the above machinery is inapplicable and the mines are better adapted to the limited exertions of a few people than to the extensive operations of an english association three heat of the climate its effects on europeans four the desolate and unprotected plains between the mines and the port at which their produce would be shipped the distance being upon an average more than a thousand miles of land carriage five the poverty of the loads when compared with those of mexico peru or potosi moral the want of population its effects the general want of education and consequently the narrow and interested views of the natives the richer class of people in the provinces unaccustomed to business the poorer class unwilling to work both perfectly destitute of the idea of a contract of punctuality or of the value of time 
among a few people the impossibility of obtaining open competition or of preventing the monopoly of every article required or the combination which would raise its price ad libitum the wild plundering habits of the gauchos the ready absolution of the priests the insufficiency of the laws the want of experience etc in the commissioner who has charge of the association the character constitution habits and expensive wants of the english and european workmen ill adapted to the country the experience they have gained in cornish copper mines inapplicable to the extraction of silver ores in south america see memorandum a europeans overcome by the climate become indolent from possessing large independent salaries in a country where wine and spirits are cheap women of the country their characters impossibility of the distant mines being frequently inspected consequently the necessity of placing confidence and of trusting gold and silver to individuals many of whom in england would not be deemed persons of sufficient education for so difficult a situation probability that many would endeavor to perform their duty but the certainty that one leak whether from inattention or otherwise would affect the interests of the whole political important reasons why mines in south america which formerly were worked with profit would now ruin either europeans or natives who should attempt to work them see memorandum b the instability and insufficiency of the national government of the united provinces the provincial governments their sudden revolutions the jealousy which exists between the provinces and buenos aires in spite of contracts the governments would not allow large profits to go out of their provinces or even to pass through them without contribution individuals urged by the priests would overturn the governor his acts and contracts fall with him the junta could voluntarily retire the responsibility has then vanished no remedy and no appeal end of section nineteen